M. Shin. Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Nathan, and I'm Jake. And we are Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing the film Masked Rider, the first. Well, well, the hits just keep on coming, and so do the guests. So welcome, Jake, to Henshin Men. Hello, Nathan. Yeah, Jake Hambrick. Yeah, this is actually the first time that we've sat down and talked. You and I have had some internet correspondence. You've listened, I think, to every single one of my, like, 3,000 podcasts. Yes. (laughs) So out out of curiosity, how did you discover all of this stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. So the first thing I found was Kaiju weekly. Really? And I, yeah. Interesting. And then I heard you and Michael talk and then I figured I found you through, uh, the monster Island film vault. Mm-hmm. I kind of stopped listening for a while mm-hmm. and then I started watching power Rangers again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if there's a podcast about it. And then you and Michael just started one. <laughs> so I started listening about it. And then I was like, I, I think I recognize these guys. <laughs> and then I went back and then I started listening to everything else. <laughs> that is so funny that it was Kaiju Weekly. And then yeah. you discovered me and Michael on Kaiju Weekly. <laughs> and they're like, I need a Power Ranger podcast. Oh, look, those two guys. <laughs> exactly. That is funny. That is really, really funny, which makes me glad that. I went on Kaiju Weekly then because Kaiju Weekly was actually the first podcast that, first Kaiju podcast, I should say, that I guessed it on after launching the Film Vault. So that has been paying dividends, obviously. Right. <laughs> you know, I got you as a listener. You're a patron for MIFV, and, you know, which I thank you very much for doing that. I'm yes, extra sir. grateful for the ones who are paying me money to do all of this madness. <laughs> So just out of curiosity, I just got a couple more quick questions, you know, kind of some get to know you for the heroes of the internet. How did you get into tokusatsu? Well, I watched Power Rangers growing up Mm -hmm. and then it was maybe about 20, 2012. I figured out that Power Rangers came from Zoo Ranger Mm -hmm. and went on YouTube and did a deep dive of where it came from. And I wanted to watch it, but never could mm-hmm. until Shout Factory mm-hmm. released the DVDs. Mm-hmm. So then I got them and started watching them. And so you started watching some Super Sentai along with Power Rangers, and that led mm-hmm. you to branch out to try some other things. Yeah, exactly. When did you, out of curiosity, when did you get into Kaiju? Because you know you found me through Kaiju Weekly and listened to the Film Vault. Oh, see, I don't know. I don't remember if Godzilla two thousand or. The 1998 Godzilla was my first movie. <laughs> but ever since I was a kid, I've loved Godzilla. Okay. Okay. I, I, those are actually, to my surprise, especially 98, a, a lot of people's entry points, depending on their age, of a certain age. You know, it was one of those two. I, my friend Danny DeManna, 
he the first one he ever saw was Godzilla 2000, but he only got to see half of it. Right. <laughs> so, and I know Michael's a big fan of 2000 as well. It wasn't his first, but it was the first one he got to see in a movie theater, which that was... For me, that was the case there. I had seen Godzilla movies before that, but Godzilla 2000 was the first Japanese Godzilla film I had the privilege of seeing in a movie theater. And fun fact, just before I went on the air, I found out Fathom is doing a special screening of both 2000 and Godzilla vs. Hedera in November. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you have theaters that do Fathom events in your area, but something to look into. I think there's one about an hour and a half away from me that does them. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me grateful that I live in a city where all I have to do is just drive 10 minutes down the street <laughs> and right. I can go to Fathom <laughs> events. I I am spoiled. <laughs> yeah. I am very, very spoiled. So another reason that you wanted to come on the show, I was looking for guests and you like Christopher Reiner in the previous episode, you are looking to break into podcasting yeah so about a year ago i never listened to podcasts because mm-hmm. i couldn't stand listening to people in my ear <laughs> but whenever i started my new job delivering beer <laughs> i didn't want to listen to music all the time i'm sorry i shouldn't be so, laughing at that i just <laughs> i just want that business card you know it's just like jake hambrick beer delivery man <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's nice i mean i can listen to podcasts all day long i don't really have anybody bothering me ah but i don't know like all i do is come home and watch movies and tv shows anyway so mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind talking to people about them mm-hmm. well what i find interesting was your choice of subject because it naturally which is why you're on here it includes tokusatsu but not just tokusatsu <laughs> Yes, Gundam. Gundam, yeah. Specifically, you were thinking Gundam and Metal Heroes. And I see the connection, but it's not necessarily the most immediate connection I would have made. And I really like that idea. Yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about doing a main episode for Tokusatsu and then having like a bonus episode for Gundam. Mm -hmm. Just strictly Gundam. Mm -hmm. So... That, there's a lot of Gundam to pick from. <laughs> yeah, I know it. There's a lot of Gundam. And now, from what I understand, is I have a friend who's hardcore into Gundam. I've seen a lot of Gundam, but not all of it like he has. And, well, a couple of friends. I actually have a couple of friends who are hardcore into Gundam. <laughs> Shout out to Dallas Mora of Geek Devotions. <laughs> he runs a Gundam podcast. <laughs> you should give it a listen. It's called The Gundam Watch. And Okay. Yeah. And uh, I there a lot of the gaps in what was available i know has been getting filled for gundam so mainline shows that weren't available for years are now have been made available in the last i think five years or so like what was it gundam victory i think is what it was called yeah it was a universal century show and it was one of the only one i think it was one of only like two from that particular gundam continuity that wasn't available and a couple years ago it was finally released in the united states yeah yeah, I've not seen Gun on Victory yet. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> but there's, like I said, there's a lot of Gundam to pick from. But then again, you know, you look at a lot of Japanese franchise, particularly in television, that's, it's the same thing. There's a lot of Sentai. There's a lot of Ultraman. And there's also, which is our, our subject for today, there's a lot of Kamen Rider. 
(laughs) (laughs) And we're doing some movie coverage today, uh, playing off of how this show launched covering the original Kamen Rider from 1971. And since then, we've covered Shin Kamen Rider, which is a film remake of the original show. We've covered the manga that was you know predated and then concurrently ran with the original show created by Shotaro Shinomori. And now we are looking at another film remake, I guess you could say, of that source material, the television show, the original television show and the original manga, although it borrows more from the manga for what I understand than the original television show. Have you ever seen the original Kamen Rider? I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. So Okay, so you've got a little bit of a frame of reference. Have you read the manga? Yeah. No, not yet. I okay. ordered it and then the seller canceled it. Oh. So I never got Is it. Is there a Barnes and Noble in your town? <laughs> yes. You can go I found my copy at Barnes and Noble. Really? Yeah. So you can go into Barnes and Noble and get it. Now it uh, is it, it's hard to miss because it's about three inches thick, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it you know it's a 900 page tome but it actually reads pretty fast okay. because you know Jap- because Japanese comic books are pretty the uncondensed shall we say <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's you know go back and listen to the manga episode listeners if you haven't already so we're going to be talking about Master Rider the first because that is how it was released <laughs> it was released on DVD in 2007 by Media Blasters as Master Rider the First, although I think its official title is Common Rider the First. And what I'm covering it now, that original DVD has been long out of print. I managed to track down a copy a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and then, oh, guess what happens? Media Blasters says, we're re-releasing it with three other movies. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> It's one of those things like I put so much work into tracking down these out of print releases and then they get re-released. Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, it works. Well, that was a lot of work for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But still, so it should by the end of this year, if I remember correctly, along with its sequel, Common Writer the Next, as well as no, it's four other movies, along with uh, Shin Common Writer Prologue, Common Writer Zio. Rosetta, whichever you prefer, and Kamen Rider J, they should all be uh, they should all be released as a box set by Media Blasters by the end of the year. So you know we're a little ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With this, well, we are and we aren't. The next episode, we're definitely going to be ahead of the curve, but we'll talk about that after we finish talking about this movie. No, we're up. Kamen Rider Zafasuto, Takeshi Hongo, a brilliant college student and motorcycle enthusiast, is kidnapped by the evil secret society Shocker and transformed into a powerful cyborg minion. Will one look at the beautiful journalist Asuka breaks their control, but not before he's framed for the death of her fiancé. But later, said fiancé is resurrected as another cyborg with a new name and identity, and he'll stop at nothing to kill Hongo and reclaim Asuka. Meanwhile, a pair of dying teens at a hospital grow close only to be recruited by Shocker. So, Jake, have you seen this movie before you watched it for the podcast? No. <laughs> you have not. Okay. Okay, and I remember when we were corresponding, you're trying to figure out how to see this. Did you end up buying that long out of print DVD? 
Yes, I did. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I managed to I, find it for not a pound of flesh on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too much. I think it was like 20 bucks, 10, 15, 20, something yeah, like that. Something yeah, something like that. I was surprised. I think I I had to kind of negotiate. And when I, I had to buy it from eBay, and I think I had to negotiate the seller down a little bit, you know, because it was selling for, I think, usually around the $40 range when I was looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing that maybe the price came down once it was announced that it was getting re-released. So first impressions, you know, as the guest for this film. I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say Shen Common Rat are good. Oh, you and I are going to (laughs) disagree. I don't know. I mean, it's got pros and cons. I like how it didn't have as many villains as... Shin Common Rider did. Right. But also, I don't know. I really don't know, man. The look of them, they were good. Mm-hmm. But. Are you talking about the, the writers? Like, no, not the writers. The cyborgs. The okay. Man all, Spider. All, are you talking about in the first? Yeah, in the first. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think they looked really good. Mm-hmm. Now, the Common Rider suits, I think they were good. Mm-hmm. I think they were better than Shin Common Rider. Okay, see, there we uh, there we do agree. We do agree there. I've, I What I find interesting, and this ended up being a little bit of a hot take, I guess, for some people, because when I saw Shin Common Rider, and you can, if you want the full, my full thoughts on it, listeners, go back and listen to episode 66, if I remember correctly. That should be the Shin Common Rider episode. And I actually said I thought this was a this movie was actually better than Shin. I had some very major issues with Shin Kamen Rider, which I couldn't make heads or tails when I was going online because it, it seemed like it was about a 50-50 split. Some people were saying eh, it was okay. Other people were just doting on it like it was the greatest Kamen Rider anything. And I'm like, I think the first is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think, and, shin, I think i think shin was good i think it was just too long yeah i i think that was a one of its issues but what i find interesting is that the first is actually doing things that got copied by shin common writer like right. the cyborgs actually look like cyborgs mm-hmm. in this which they did also do in shin common writer even some of the designs that they use for the cyborgs in this look like they may have been copied in master well in shin common rider so yeah. having seen this again because i've seen it before and the after seeing shin common rider i f- suddenly find myself liking shin common rider a bit less because i'm like <laughs> I, I the 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 first beat you guys to it it really did but yeah. i would say personally the thing that really i think puts the first over shin is I find the narrative to be a lot... You hinted at it. It's a lot more focused. Yes. It's much more focused. It's more streamlined. And because of that, I feel like there's more emotional resonance with the characters because we're allowed to go on more of the journey with these characters, I would say. Right. Because we actually get to see Hongo before he's a cyborg. And we yeah. understand, so we understand the contrast. And Hayato is in the movie from the start. He just was a different person, technically. 
So yeah. we get so he doesn't just magically show up halfway through the movie and say, "Hi, I'm supposed to be here." <laughs> I didn't even realize that was him the first time I watched it either. Well, I, it had, I will admit it had been a while since I'd seen it, and I think the first time I watched it, I hadn't. I don't think I'd gotten far enough into the original show to know who Hayato was. Yeah. So now I have a greater appreciation having finished the show, seeing the movie now. <laughs> right. So, where is there? Uh, I'm trying to figure out. You know, what's a where's a good place to go with this other than a lot of Shin Kamen Rider comparisons? Because I. <laughs> I kept putting in my notes, better than Shin Kamen Rider, better than Shin Kamen <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we get to see, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, seeing Hongo beforehand. What are some other kind of little jabs that I took? I'm trying to find. Uh, the, yeah, they look like cyborgs. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it only takes, I wrote, it only takes seven minutes for Hongo to be surgically altered, but it's still more than Shin Kamen Because we see Hongo post-surgery. The whole yeah. time. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. This is the major thing. The girl doesn't completely overshadow him. No. Hongo is actually the main character. Yeah. I like that part. <laughs> yeah. The actual main character. I felt like he got sidelined in his own movie in Shin. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep saying this because I have a podcast friend, Mr. Elijah Thomas. I know you'll listen to this in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> He and I have had a lot of points of contention over Shin Kamen Rider. I'm like, watch Kamen Rider the first, and you'll agree with me. I hope. Maybe. Yeah. So, one thing that I had forgotten, I'll bring this up, is, and I always try to pay attention to this with all of these Kamen Rider adaptations, is the translation for Kaijin. Because mm-hmm. no one can agree on how to translate it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what translations have you seen out of curiosity for Kaijin? I saw in this movie, I saw the Phantom. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what was they in the original show? The Shout Factory subs for the original show, it was usually cyborg. Occasionally yeah. it was monster. Right. And then in some other places, I've seen it translated oh, what i'm trying to remember i've seen monster i've seen cyborg i've seen i think those are the two i usually see the most interesting one is actually black sun where they just don't try they just don't translate it it just says kaijin which i think is the better way to go yeah but i had forgotten that in this one it was translated phantom that's one of the more interesting ones that i've seen yeah <laughs> to be honest but th- when I look up things like the Wikipedia article for this thing, it calls the it still calls them something different. There it calls them Inhumanoids. Really? Which like Inhumanoids? That was some obscure '80s cartoon, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was. It sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> vaguely, vaguely familiar. So we had that. Now. Have you seen which of the writers of these two writers? You said you've seen a few episodes of the original show. Which mm-hmm. of the two did you see? Do you remember? I saw both of them in the original show. Really? Yeah. So oh, was- I've watched a couple episodes of, I think, one through five or six, mm-hmm. and then some in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then I watched like the last three episodes. Oh, okay. So you did get to see their team ups. Yes. Because that is one of the things that 
if people go into this familiar with the TV show, they'll notice that it's different because it's more like the manga. Because in this, Hayato is actually loyal to Shocker for a good chunk of the movie. And he was yeah. made to kill Hongo because Hongo broke con- the control, which is the other thing that's interesting is Hongo is actually control is controlled by Shocker for about 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I, t- I forgot. I timed it. It's about for about 10 minutes after he's turned. And, <laughs> and then they, and then Hayato's made to counter him. So it, he actually makes sense in this. But that is more in line with the manga, whereas in the show, they tried to make Hayato a writer, and then Hongo saved him at the last second. And Hongo, and Hayato in the show is a lighter character right? compared to how he is in this. In this one, Hayato is kind of abrasive after his conversion, whereas Hongo is definitely first 13 episodes Hongo where he's really broody. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's something that, like I said, if people are used to the show, they have to get used to that. Did that throw you off at all, or were you able to just go along with it? I just went along with it. You went along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the The part about him being somebody else's fiance, being a woman's fiance, and being a different person, and all that—that's that wasn't in the manga. I've read the manga, and that that wasn't in the manga. So that was new. But that allowed Hayato to be in the movie basically from the start. Right. And I think connecting those three characters, Asuka, Hayato, and Hongo, to, uh, like that, I think helps to streamline the story. and While also allowing a lot of different elements from the manga to be in this movie. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people, let me ask you this, I've heard a lot of people compare this movie to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. You think... I, yeah, you I've think never heard, I haven't heard that, but I could definitely see that. Mm, how's, how's that? So, I'm trying to think of the movies now. It's been a long time since I've seen them. But, well, this would be... This is because this was out in 2005, so we would be talking Spider-Man 1 and 2 with Tobey Maguire. Right. Yeah, so... I guess it would be Peter Parker and... What was Norman's son's name? Harry. Was, uh, Harry. So Harry, both of them liked Mary mm-hmm. Jane, mm-hmm. but neither one of them could really have her. Mm-hmm. And in the second movie, they both tried to have her too. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. that would be the similarity between this one. Mm-hmm. And then funny enough, Harry becomes the villain in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Just like Kyoto is a, a villain for a little while in this. I think there's also some stylistic similarities with it because it has this movie has some pretty wild visuals, D- a different kind of wild compared to Shin Common Rider, I would say. It doesn't have the weird sur- surrealness that comes with Hideaki Anno. This one, it's I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I do think it's a little bit closer to a Sam Raimi, except not as horrific, I would say. Right. But it has a little bit of a comic book flair to it. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that's in this that's not really in the original show, but it's from the manga, is the, the scars and the and the veins. Yeah. Yeah. Is but they left they left those out. 
Really? In the, yeah, those are not in the show. But it was they're a big thing in the in the manga because it was a reminder for Hongo of what what had been done to him. Where which is interesting in this because and I'm surprised they kind of dropped this plot point about how the cyborgs were dependent on Shocker to keep them alive. Except for mm-hmm. Hongo, because apparently Hongo is a perfect cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering that, because Hayato, when he went to touch Asuka's blood, mm-hmm. he got the veins, but mm-hmm. Hongo never did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, but then, like I said, they explain it later, and I don't know. I, re- I think the first time I saw this, I was kind of wondering if maybe it should have been a little bit longer you said shin common writer should have been shorter do you feel i'm a little more forgiving of the first now being 90 minutes but did you feel like at any point that maybe it could have been a little longer no i don't think so i think at the end of it whenever well not the, almost towards the end whenever hongo and suka was sitting on the dock mm-hmm. i thought that was the end and i was like that's a pretty good ending mm-hmm. and then we had about 10, 15 more minutes. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, we still but, had to pay off the subplot with the two teens in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, and they I didn't even realize that was going to be a flashback. And whenever I first saw them at the end, well, I was starting to think of it and putting it together then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, out of curiosity, what did you think of that subplot? The first time I watched it, I found myself wondering, why are we following these characters? That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, it happened again this time, but I haven't seen it in a while. So I'm just curious what you thought of that. I thought at first I was like, well, why are we seeing them? And then I was like, maybe what was the guy's name? The suicide guy. Haruhiko. Yes. I thought he was going to be the second common rider. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I thought that would be a way for him to become one. Yeah, yeah. I will admit I had forgotten that they ended up being made into villains by the end. When I was watching, I was like, yeah, I remember the subplot, but I don't remember why it was here. Yeah. (laughs) And it does feel a little disconnected from everything else Mm -hmm. until you get to about, I think, about the 50-minute mark or so, (laughs) 50, 60-minute mark, because it takes up a fair amount of screen time, and it, it feels like a completely different story. Yeah. Like it feels like a YA novel <laughs> got got snuck into the superhero story. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what we find out later is they end up getting recruited by Shocker. Well, I don't know. We don't know if they were recruited. I'm guessing it was recruiting and they weren't just forced to do it. I do have a note. I said, how does Shocker choose who becomes Shocker? <laughs> That is a very good question. In my experience, from what I remember from the original show, they usually go after, I would say, two kinds of people. People who are exceptional in some way, whether that be physically or mentally exceptional, or they're exceptional in their evilness, because sometimes they will go and recruit prisoners out of, like the worst prisoners out of prison, or they'll prey upon people who are, like in this film, they'll prey upon people who are exceptionally vulnerable. Right. So they go to these two teens because they're in the hospital and presumably, we don't know what they're, what ailment they have. Yeah, we just know said. that We just know that apparently they are dying. 
We know that Haruhiko, he's flat out said, I'm going to die. We don't know what's going on with Miyoko, but apparently she has something fatal too. And then they go to him and say, we'll make you better. Yeah. And they go along with it because they want to be together. So it makes sense. And they, I don't know about their human forms, but their two kaijin forms, we'll say, they are from the manga. And one of them was in the show. Really? Yeah. They were Cobra. Uh, it was Cobra Man. He was he was in the show in a couple of episodes, actually. And then Snake. I think that was that when I looked it up on Wikipedia. That's how she was listed. Because they don't call them, like, Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow, guys. <laughs> or, or Cobra Man. It's, the, they, it's just Bat, Spider, and Cobra. And then... Miyoko is Snake. In the manga, Cobra Man had a lover who was basically his sidekick, who she was also Snake-themed. Now, she was more like Medusa because she had a whole head of mechanical snakes that would attack people. But they ended up dying together, and it was presented as a tragedy. So the movie is definitely taking inspiration from that. I just right. wasn't expecting them to get their own little subplot. <laughs> <laughs> they are very much sympathetic villains. Yeah. yeah. I definitely got that out of it. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, it did feel like a YA novel. Like I'm trying to think for some reason I keep the title that keeps coming to my mind, even though I've never seen or read it is the fault in our stars. But I think that's actually about a teenage couple where I can't remember if it's the boy or the girl, but one of them has cancer. I think it's the girl. Is it the girl she has cancer? I think so. Yeah, my they wife, fall. she loves that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who? Your wife? Yeah, my wife. She okay. loves that movie. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Actually, since I'm guessing you've seen it, so you could you could probably vouch for it better than I can. Or at least I think some of I've it. I've seen parts. Okay. But yeah. am I off base making that comparison? I, I don't think so. I think I think you're about right. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not that crazy <laughs> but I, I was happy to see that it do, it does eventually come together and we have a little bit of crossover because asuka helps them out because Bioko passes out that's this big plot twist and that subplot because she said she was a volunteer and she was trying to help haruhiko out and you know, because she said she was a volunteer and she helps the lonely patients yeah and you know that turned out to not be entirely true you know and they're in the mm-hmm. the same boat together i did like i will say it was it was it was an endearing story i think i really like the part where and this is it has a little bit more resonance because it's in a common writer movie where she made the red scarf for him mm-hmm. so that and, parallels the writers yeah and that, that was one thing i was thinking maybe he'll become a writer but ah See, they threw you mm. off a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Although I think at that point, Hayato had, I think Hayato had shown up at that point. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he had shown up at that point. So were you confused? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> that was before I knew it was flashbacks. Mm-hmm. See, and, that I did, I made the same mistake watching the show, which you should, you might remember, because I thought Taki was going to become the second writer. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what were you saying? Oh, I don't even remember what I was saying. I think, uh, I think I watched the first time I watched it. I thought maybe 
that he was going to be Hado. Mm -hmm. And it might be a flashback. Mm -hmm. But then I watch it again, and then I realize that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But speaking of the the original Kamen Rider, did you you ever watch any of the episodes with Dr. Shinigami? I don't think I did. The guy who dressed like Dracula? No. That's because I asked because he's in this. Is he? Yeah. If uh, when we see the the shocker uh, the shocker commanders and on those three screens, the one in the middle. Yeah. That is actually archival footage of Doctor Shinigami, played by Hideo Amamoto, who was in a lot of Tokusatsu movies back in the sixties and seventies. He was in, I think, I saw him in a couple episodes of which was I think it was Ultraman Leo. I think it was Leo. He was famous like Doctor Who in King Kong Escapes. And he was in a couple episodes. Well, one episode, I should say, of Ultra Q. He's been all over the place. He was in Atragon. You know, he's been in a bunch of stuff. And they used archival footage of him because just before the movie came out, he had died. Really? So, it was a, yeah, it was a little bit of a tribute to him. Now, from what I've read online... They dubbed over the footage, so it's not actually him. I was fooled. Whoever they got to dub him over sounds just like him. Yeah. Because I really thought that, like, did you guys just find the perfect scenes to recontextualize? <laughs> but I just I just thought that was really cool, so they brought him back. I, those The other two commanders are new. I don't recognize them, but they don't even give them names, and they look positively normal by comparison while you've got... Japanese Dracula <laughs> in the yeah. center there. <laughs> I'm curious to see if uh, you know if they'll expand off of that in the sequel. I haven't seen the sequel yet. Yeah, I've not watched it yet either. Yeah, yeah. So I was just wondering if you had noticed that, but like I said, that was a little bit of a tribute to him in this. I thought I thought that was really cool. It's one of the few times where using stock footage <laughs> works. <laughs> Yeah. And he doesn't seem out of place. At least I didn't think so. Did you? No. I thought it looked perfect. Mm -hmm. For Shocker. mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that was him the first time. Because I hadn't seen Dr. Shinigami yet when I first watched the movie. But going back to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's him. I kept wondering, what episodes are those from? (laughs) It's hard to tell. I'm sure somebody's figured it out. (laughs) Right. But I, I couldn't quite tell. But something else from the original show, it's a little thing, but I appreciated the bring it back. Was the shocker goons and their weird hyena noises? Yeah. They still do that. They're such weirdos. What did you think of their look in this, though? Oh, now, because when you watched it, what renditions of the shocker goons did you see because they had a couple different looks so i don't remember seeing them in, i mean i saw them in the show mm-hmm. but i don't remember the show as quiet as i do other ones but so i hadn't really seen them but when i saw them in this movie i thought they looked really cool with the mm-hmm. gas mask the gas mask mm-hmm. yeah so that was a good touch so which episodes did you see again i think it was maybe the first five in the first um, five, there were the guys with the really heavy makeup and the berets. Yeah. And, and then 
the the look that they were most iconic was in that long stretch in the middle. I think from like I think it was basically from like Hayato showing up to all the way to like episode eighty. They dressed in what basically skeleton themed luchador costumes. Do you remember that? I don't remember them. Huh. That's a little strange. And then later on in the last 18 episodes or so, when it was Gel Shocker, because <laughs> they mm-hmm. rebranded, they wore c- c- costumes with primary colors. <laughs> and they looked even more like luchadors. <laughs> Dang, I think I need to watch the show again. Apparently, but I'm surprised <laughs> that we didn't get the skeletons in this because like I said, that's the most well-known. It was the one that the, it was the look they had the longest. And instead we, we got the gas mask, which I thought was fitting as you pointed. Yeah. Out. I feel like this, I for, I forgot how grounded this felt compared to a lot of other tokusatsu, even other writer shows. Did you get that feeling too? I didn't, but really it, it didn't feel grounded to you. No, yeah, it felt it felt grounded, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen as probably as many Common Rider shows as you have. <laughs> so, well, and I, I I haven't seen as many as Travis, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> but I've seen some some wild writer shows. But like I guess I forgot how grounded this felt by comparison, because the goons just wear gas masks and all black. It's pretty simple. Yeah, it is pretty simple. But they still make the weird noises and. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Let me see. What are some other things that we could talk about with this? You know, here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting one. And it's a, this, I, I remember this from the first time I watched it, but it's just really interesting looking back on it now. And that's what I feel like is the theme of this movie, which is, basically the power of beauty yeah which isn't something that i would necessarily expect in a superhero movie i know that's strange yeah what'd you think of that i don't know man like i think the fact that when hongo saw the um the water crystals and it Mm -hmm. changed him back to normal i didn't really understand why that Mm -hmm. would do it Mm mm-hmm but I don't know. They talked about it at the the beginning. Him and Asuka. Oh no, was it Asuka? Mm-hmm. Was it Asuka or was it? Yeah, was it Asuka? Because there was another girl for a little bit. I think it was Asuka. Was it Asuka? Yeah, yeah. Because he was studying water crystals. And here's the here's what's crazy. I've actually I have a friend, my friend Eric Anderson, who runs Nerd Chapel, and we worked on a devotional book together for Geeks and Nerds. I think which one was it? It was one of the, it was either the first or the second 42 book. So it's either 42 or the new 42. He found an article that actually dealt with the thing that we were seeing them talking about at the beginning of the movie, the whole idea about water crystals and how depending on the environment, the water crystals will look more intricate, which makes them look more beautiful. And it was, and it was a Japanese scientist who was, figuring this out so what he would do and i know this sounds silly but apparently they did studies on this and found out that it actually worked he would go up to water and he would say very positive things to it Mm -hmm. then he would freeze it and look at the crystals and they would actually be like i said they would be more intricate 
Right. And then he would say negative things to the water crystals, freeze it, and the water crystals didn't look as good. They actually had degraded. Yeah, I've heard about people doing tests like that with food. Also. Really? Food? Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Like they would food plants, like they would talk good to it and they'd be healthy. They'd talk bad to it and, you know, they would grow old. Wow. uh, I didn't know they had tried it. What kind of food? I don't know. I think maybe like, do I have to go talk nice to vegetables? I was going to say, do I have to go talk nice to my refrigerator? (laughs) You might want to. (laughs) (laughs) But. I, so we so we open up with that, and then that becomes a motif that we see. We see snowflakes several mm-hmm. times throughout the film, and usually at key moments, like you were talking about. So that seeing the snowflakes is what breaks the control that Shocker has on Hongo. And then we have another one later when Hongo meets Asuka again as the writer. And keep in mind, at this point, she doesn't realize that Hongo is the writer and she hates Hongo because she thinks Hongo killed her fiance, which mm-hmm. is from the original common writer, except it was the girl's father, not yeah. her fiance. And they changed their name too, you know, because it was Ruriko in the original in the original show and manga. But so we see it there, and then we see it a couple other times throughout the film. And it, in an exchange that almost got an award, I will admit. Hongo is basically giving a college lecture on this concept later on in the movie. And then Asuka walks in and says, what do you, what's beautiful to you? And he pauses wow. for a second. And yeah. <laughs> and he says life mm-hmm. and just leaves it at that. And I'm like, wow, wow. On the heels of watching common writer, black sun. This is refreshing. <laughs> black sun is so nihilistic. Compared to this, oh, oh my gosh, guys, I need more of this and less Black Sun, please. <laughs> yeah, but Hongo does state that seeing beauty revitalizes people, and that is something that I, as a as an artist myself, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster, actor, all these things. I think a lot about this. I meet up with a group once a month, some of my fellow creatives, and we talk about this sort of thing all the time. And how in our very utilitarian world, or at least utilitarian culture, we don't have enough appreciation for beauty because it doesn't seem useful. Right. And I think this film is trying to say, no, it has a use. It's just not the most obvious use. Yeah. Because you know, it's what breaks the villain's control on Hongo. It's what eventually brings, I would say, spiritual healing to a couple of the characters, like Asuka and Hongo. To a certain extent, probably Hayato as well. But we see the destruction of beauty being what leads to the downfall of Haruhiko and Miyoko. Because they were, because of how much they cared about each other, they were starting, at least spiritually speaking, mentally and spiritually, maybe not physically, but mentally and spiritually, they were experiencing healing because they cared about each other. And then that gets taken away by Shocker. Yeah. In fact, Hongo even says, Shocker just destroys beautiful things. Mm Mm-hmm. And... 
as I've said before on this podcast and elsewhere, that's the nature of evil. That's what it does. All it can do yeah. is corrupt and destroy. It can't create. And that's exactly what Shocker does. <laughs> it right. takes people and it destroys them in some form or another. So it can make them useful. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Or did I just go a little too deep? <laughs> no, that you pretty much said it all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he even says, like, it means water is alive. It's an interesting statement. Water is commonly used in literature as a symbol of life. Because, obviously, you need yeah. to drink water in order to survive. Mm-hmm. So, how about, let's talk about, let's talk about the action sequences in this. The, you know the fight scenes. We'll unpack that a little bit more as we, you know, when we get to the awards. But what did you think of the action in this movie? I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Definitely TV show action. Oh, really? But yeah, didn't seem cinematic yeah. enough to you. Not really. I think it cut too much, especially during the motorcycle fight mm-hmm. scenes. So, mm-hmm. but other than that, it it was good. Mm-hmm. I was admittedly as i was watching this i was kind of wondering if it was a little tv-ish as opposed to cinematic and i don't know i feel like i need to compare it to other stuff that was coming out around this 2005 Mm -hmm. i'm just trying to remember what was what was going on in 2005 so is it just kind of on par with the time or was it a little behind and i'm thinking like you had ultraman the next was the year before this but that's a little bit different, you know, when you have a giant fighting a kaiju, right? You know, that's a little different. And but is it fair to compare it to American superhero movies at the time? I don't think so. I don't know, really. Yeah, because you know that's really different there too. Because you have mm. well, now. I now I have to know. Okay, let's see. Two thousand five movies. Now, because you had Spider-Man 2 the year before, all right? You know, and, you know, the the action in that was was pretty good, you know, but it was also had a lot of CGI. Right. Yeah, let's see. You also had, if we just go by, you know, either superhero or comic book-based movies in 2005, you had Constantine. You ever seen Constantine? No, I haven't. Constantine with Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a fair comparison with that one, personally. Let me see. What else do we have? Let me see. That would actually be comparable. Oh, Batman Begins. I forgot. That was the that was the year for Batman Begins. Oh, what no, was that it? was 2004, actually. Okay. Hmm. You know, Batman Begins might be the better comparison out of all of them. I think so. Yeah, because that one's, you know, it's a little bit more grounded. It's a little, it's much less grandiose. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Batman Begins versus, uh, versus this. Lots of fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little, it's a little matrixy at points, you know, when they're smashing through pillars and things like that. Right. So, uh, uh, what do you think? You know, this versus Batman Begins. <laughs> Well, I think this, the fighting sequences, they have it. Kamen Rider has it because they actually have powers and Mm -hmm. Batman doesn't. So hitting through pillars, Mm -hmm. it would make sense for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. 
there's a fair amount of wire work in this as well, which is par for the course. I think some people might look at it and not like the wire work because it's so obviously wire work. Like, guys, get over it. <laughs> well, I didn't see no wires. So, Well, it's because they're, they're able to hide them much better now. Right. You know, but you can tell they're moving like they're on wires. But I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> yeah. I frankly don't care. But... I do agree with your assessment. It does feel a little TV-ish, which I think makes sense because I think a lot of people who worked on this, most of their experience was with TV, not with mm-hmm. films necessarily. That might be the one advantage I get. Well, not the one. That that might that would be an advantage I would give Shin Kamen Rider. Shin Kamen Rider does feel more cinematic by comparison. Right. And I did. I saw maybe five or ten minutes of the behind the scenes, and one of the guys that was working on the fighting sequence was with them. Had a uh, Saban Power Rangers jacket on. He did. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he worked with them or not. But oh, I know that they did have some Super Sentai people who worked with them on Power Rangers. I just. Now I want to. I should have watched that before we started recording. Now I want to know who it was. Is it was it? Oh, was uh, Koichi? I don't know. I didn't. Even, I don't think I wrote his name down. Oh, I was just now. I have to know because, like I said, there is there was there is a, a guy who's worked on Power Rangers and on Super Sentai, and I think on Ultraman as well. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, it's gonna bug me till I remember. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it was him. He was a director. I think maybe it's going to bug me till I remember Michael might be yelling at me right now telling me <laughs> to turn in my nerd card. Right. Uh, and now I'm going to have to watch it. But yeah, I, I, I would say that that's actually why the fight scenes in power Rangers, when it wasn't the Sentai footage, why it got better is because they started right. hit some of the Japanese guys to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> And they were basically times like you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> yeah, actually, you want to hear? Uh, you know, here's something that's kind of fun. We get what? Tachibana in this, a proper Tachibana, not the weird Tachibana that's in Shin Kamen Rider. <laughs> Tachibana is the FBI agent, right? Yeah, uh, the no Taki is in- the. Taki. Taki's the FBI agent. Tachibana is the guy who runs the racing club. He's the mentor. He's the older gentleman. Yeah. 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 In the original show. In Shin Kamen Rider, both him and Taki are government agents. <laughs> <sighs> really, guys? That, uh, that like, nice job, Ano. You, your weirdness went to, uh, showed up in the weird, in the strangest places. But no, we get a proper one in here. Admittedly, he's not in it very long. It's basically a cameo. So I kind of wish they had him in there more, but he's played by a past Common Rider. A Common Rider V3, wasn't Common Rider V3. <laughs> Shiro Kazami. No, excuse me. That was the character's name. It's Hiroshi Miyachi, who played Shiro, like I said, Shiro Kazami in Common Rider V3. I think that's just really cool that they that one of the past actors gets to come back as the you know as an important character in this i just right. wish he had been in it more that would have been so cool yeah but he wasn't the only one from what i was reading in fact there were several 
other people who worked on this who had been on Common Writer before, such as, let me see here. So you had Hasei Takano, who played Hayato in this. He was Miyuki Tezuka, who, uh, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Raya in Kamen Rider Ryuki. And I mentioned Hideo Amamoto. And then you had some other people from the, who worked on some of the concurrent writer shows or some of the writer shows before that, like Kamen Rider Kabuto and the you know, like the writer Toshiki Inoue. He worked a lot on Tokusatsu in anime. And it says he wrote basically every theatrical film for Kamen Rider and episodes of Agito and Fives. Like so it's basically a bunch of people who were working on Kamen Rider, plus a few veterans who were coming back and making this movie, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Admittedly, I haven't watched a Gito or I think I can't is five. I'm trying to remember is fives on Toku HD, the infamous Toku HD. I know a Gito is. I think you can watch fives on Prime. Yeah. They have a new thing now. Yeah, Toku HD, like yeah. I said, which is it's infamous because their subtitles are shoddy. <laughs> But th- you can watch Ryuki. That's been released by Shout Factory. You can get it on Blu-ray, and you can watch it on Tubi or Shout Factory TV. I haven't done that yet. That famously became Common Rider Dragon Knight yeah. in the United States. So, like I said, I just think that's really cool of them to do that. What did you think of that statement that... Oh, is it Asuka? I think it's Asuka. Or no, is it? No, maybe it was Hayato. No. Was it, it was Oscar Hayato said something about how Hongo hurts himself to help others. At the end of it? Yeah, it's toward the end. Not quite the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Whenever she said that you hurt yourself so others can be happy yeah. and you're silly for it. Uh-huh. I like that. And mm-hmm. I like how after she said it, she said, but thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's... It's a try. Some might say it's an overused trope because what does this really boil down to? Two boys fighting over a girl. <laughs> yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Two boys fighting over a girl. <laughs> you know, it's common, no pun intended, because it works. We all understand it. And turning it into a grandiose superhero story, it's got resonance. It just works. That is not in... The source material, admittedly. There's no competing over a girl between the two of them. In fact, there's this weird thing in the show with Hayato where... Because he's a photographer in the original show. Really? And he, even though he's surrounded by pretty girls who are hanging out all the time at the Tachibana Racing Club, he makes some comment about how he doesn't like taking pictures of women. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that means you're gay or sexist. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like that. It's like the the fry meme from Futurama. It's like not sure if he's gay or sexist. <laughs> why would you complain about this? I, I guess Hayato is just weird. Here, pff, you yeah. know, they're not hiding it. They're not hiding. It. Actually, that scene when he first shows up and after he's dead and messes with poor Oscar. What'd you think of that? That threw me off a little bit, I have to admit. Yeah, I don't know. Like, At first, I didn't realize it was the same person. 
I know. <laughs> and there was one part when they were in the car and she said something about being a tramp. Uh-huh. And he said, it's just a way for seduction. Oh, yeah. I, I like that part. Uh-huh. And then he got out and went and fought Pongo. <laughs> I, I should have checked to see what kind of car he was driving. That was an American-made car. I think it was a Camaro. It, was, it had, it had third, to, yeah. I think a Camaro. Yeah, I think a third gen. I yeah. think it was the same that they used for Car Ranger. Oh, really? I think so, huh. maybe. That's interesting. Yeah, but it was clearly an American-made car because the steering wheel was on the left side. Yeah. So that was a little different. I probably should have looked into it. I was like, what does that mean? You know, does that mean, you know, like, is that just... Is it supposed to indicate that maybe something's off because it's a foreign thing? Because the Japanese are notoriously nervous about foreigners, even now, mm-hmm. you know, because they have such a homogenous culture. So a lot of times they use foreign things to indicate that something's off because the characters are villainous, which he is at this point. Or if it's more like a luxury thing, like it's expensive to have an American car. Maybe it's just he's the opposite of what he used to be. Ah, so, I, like, I like how yeah. you're thinking. Yes, yes. Because normally the steering will be on the other side. Mm-hmm. Now it's over here. Because he's he's he may look the same, but he clearly doesn't have the same sort of personalities. Like I said, he's much more abrasive. He's even by the end, he's closer to an anti-hero. I mean, there's even a point yeah. where he almost abandons poor Hongo to get beat up by the bad guys. <laughs> And then he's mm-hmm. like, ah, crap, ah, and he just like begrudgingly <laughs> goes back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I asked him if he said he would die for this woman, and he clearly is. So, uh. <laughs> so he goes back, probably because he realizes, yeah, I've lost her. Yeah, he's gonna get her, and I want to make sure she's happy. So I'm gonna make sure that knucklehead lives. <laughs> uh, actually. You know, we talked a bit about the costumes. We should, you know, we should unpack the costumes here a little bit you know, for the writers. What do you think of the costumes here? I've talked with people who have strong opinions, shall we say, about how the original writers are designed. Mm-hmm. And I know some people don't like how the chest plate is designed for the original common writer. Because it looks too big and bulky. And I will admit, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, did they steal that from an umpire and spray paint it green? <laughs> right, yeah. You know? I love everything but the chest plate. Oh, really? <laughs> so, In this movie? Yes. In all of Common Rider. Oh, honestly. really? So all, yeah. anytime you see this design, mm-hmm. you don't like the chest plate. Yeah. I love the helmet, the colors, everything else. I just, I think the chest plate is too bulky mm. for the look. Mm-hmm. Even here? Because it's more streamlined here, I would say. It is, but I think they could have built it into the suit and made it a little less padding mm-hmm. and it would have looked a lot better. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I will, I, like I said, it looks more streamlined here. As weird as this sounds, I think I prefer the color scheme for Hayato because I like my common writers to be a very solid green. Mm. If we're talking classic common writer, where here Hongo is a little bit more of a turquoise, which I do think was something that they did in the original show for a while as a, a subtle way to distinguish the two. I don't think they did the different colored gloves though. I think they're. I, glo- I like that. I uh, like that turquoise blue. Oh, you, you prefer the turquoise? Yeah. 
I like that. Okay, say so I prefer the solid green personally. Although I don't like the the white racing stripe on uh, Hayato's helmet because it just stands out a little too much. So I like Hongo's helmet more, mm-hmm. but I like Hayato's color scheme more. Right. I don't know. This, I guess you just can't win. <laughs> I do want to get action figures of both of these versions of the characters, though, because mm-hmm. I do think they they would look cool. Now, what about the helmets? I'm a, I don't like how I like that the helmets are removable, which they didn't really do in the original show. They did that in the manga, but I don't like that it's two pieces. That seems a little weird to me. I don't mind it. It's cause I don't know really. Like I think if you had that bottom piece on, it'd be hard to take it off. Mm-hmm. So you'd really need to remove it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how is he going to drink if he's got the helmet on? This is true. He, I'm just know, he's got to remove it. I'm just thinking of in Shin Kamen Rider. I think they actually designed the helmet so it was one piece, so the mouth guard would just. Mm-hmm. would just come uh, was like retract I think into the helmet yeah and then you could just take the helmet off it just seems less awkward to me that way but mm-hmm. then again the transformation is handled a lot different in this yeah a lot different a lot different we don't have the henshin poses except as martial mm-hmm. arts stances we get we get them in one of in the one of the climactic fight scenes where they basically do it as they're posing to fight a bunch of the goons, but they don't actually do the poses to transform. Right. What'd you think of that? I didn't think nothing of it. Really? Honestly, yeah. I don't really need poses for transformations. I like it whenever, when Power Rangers, they would just run at the villain and transform them. Mm. I don't need a 10-second montage of them transforming. So I, 10 seconds? <laughs> That's on a good well. day. That's on a good day. I've seen some <laughs> transformation sequences that go on forever. I know it. I'm like, will you guys get it over with? <laughs> we get it, uh, Usagi. It, your transformation looks pretty. Just go fight the bad guys, okay? Jeez. I didn't realize Moon Prism that. power was so slow. <laughs> They got to fill that runtime somehow. They got to fill that runtime. <laughs> yeah, they do. Although I think Sentai started getting more elaborate with their transformation sequence because of Power Rangers. Because Power Rangers was a little faster. Like, you watch Zhu Ranger, and it's basically just Dino Buckle, boom, we're done. Mm-hmm. Whereas Power Rangers, they got to go through the whole song and dance. You know, he's a Mastodon, Pterodactyl, and all, you know, all of that. And then yeah. Sentai's like, Oh, <laughs> we should try that now. <laughs> right. I was just surprised that they left that out because it's such a staple of Common Rider. Other than, like I said, the homage toward the end during one of the fight scenes. Whereas in this one, it's just open up the jacket, the belt is magically there, and poof. Yeah. Yeah, because I always thought Hongo had to ride the bike to get the wind turbine going. He did in the first 13 episodes, and then after that, because Hayato was the first one to do the pose. And they actually Mm. had to do the pose out of necessity, because that actor, his name escapes me, unfortunately. Unlike Fujioka, who played Hongo, he didn't have a motorcycle license. Yeah. So they couldn't do the wind turbine thing, so they had to come up with 
something else for him to do. So they came up with the Henshin pose and the rest is history after that. And then when Hongo came back, he started doing it too, just because it had become such a staple of the show at that point. And they dropped the wind turbine thing. But in here, we don't even, we don't know why they just, it's like, they just will it to happen. They just open the jacket belt is there. Poof. I don't even know what the significance of the belts are in this. It's like the belts are just yeah. there because it's common Rider and they have to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and the turbines spin and stuff happens. You know, it's if you want to call it a transformation sequence, like I said, it's just open up the coat, the turbine spins, the costume's magically there, but then they have to manually put on the helmets. Yeah. That's the, probably the weirdest part is putting the helmets on by hand. Right. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah. But, you know, like... I, even though it, there are some things that I think are excluded that I'm a little surprised were excluded, as common writer stories go, I was actually pretty happy with this one. I haven't seen too many of the other common writer movies, and the ones I have seen are tie-ins with the television show. This is a standalone, so yeah, the most immediate thing I have to compare to is Shin Common Writer. <laughs> even though clearly Shin Common Writer is made by Anno, the Uber fan, who throws in everything and the kitchen sink into Shin it's, Which is why it feels a little overstuffed. And you get the saying the names of the attacks because they don't do that here. We get the writer kick, but he doesn't yell writer kick to do it. We don't get the henshin pose necessarily. You know, there are all of these visuals from the TV show that are in Shin Kamen Rider that aren't in here. But I think the narrative in this is much stronger than it is in Shin Kamara, personally. Now, out of curiosity, how do you feel this compares to Shin Kamen Rider as a reimagining of the original show? I think that with it being shorter, Mm -hmm. that it can tell a a shorter story Mm -hmm. with a little longer time run than Shin Kamen Rider telling a shorter story with a longer time run. Mm. Mm. That makes sense because there's fewer things going on. We don't see yeah. the, we don't see shocker a whole lot. Their presence is felt mm-hmm. throughout. It's largely, largely the, you know, the writers are antagonistic toward each other. We do see the spider and we do see the bat, mm-hmm. you know, and they, serve as antagonists, but they're just kind of extensions of shocker more than wow. anything else. But I, th- I, I get what you're saying there. And certainly, even though I would have liked a little bit more time with spider, well, not spider with Cobra and snake <laughs> as villains, because mm-hmm. we yeah, had all that definitely. build up and then we only see them a couple times as mm-hmm. the villains would have liked a little more time with that, with them. Like I said, I think the movie might've benefited from being maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes longer just to have a little bit more time with some of these characters, I think. But for the most part, I, I, I'm i happy with it, you know. And, you know, I, I think it's got some solid themes when you're talking about you know, the power of beauty or, you know, like that statement at the beginning when it's doing the little exposition dump about who Shocker is and things like that and talks about how characters wear masks to hide their true identities and emotions, which I think we definitely see with our characters, you know, with Hongo and Hayato, because they were they it's what they use the mask for. You know, they're they're right. hiding themselves 
from people. And, you know, it's funny how with Cobra and Snake, because we get to know them as people before Shocker mm-hmm. gets them. And then they have a tragic ending because just like in the, the manga, they die together and they but they die with their masks off. So they mm-hmm. actually get to see themselves and at least Cobra realizes I screwed up, didn't I? I yeah. really screwed up and look what it got me. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because when we meet him, he's trying to commit suicide and then he dies by the end, just like he said he would. Yeah. They both die. But the context is very different. <laughs> they die serving right. an evil organization. And the and Cobra's reminded of it because he sees the flower, the one flower he plant uh, the one of the flowers he planted finally blooms when he thought it wasn't mm-hmm. going to. Not yet anyway. Yeah. Adding to the tragedy. So yeah, you know, I we've like I said, I think we've got some solid you know, we, there's some solid work here and I still think I'll fight people on if I have to. I will I will argue all day that this is the better of the two. You still think Shin is the better of the two? Mm, no. I'll say I think this is the better movie. Mm-hmm. But I think the villain's shocker is better in Shin. Oh, okay. By design. Ah, so. Okay. I, I get what you're saying now. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, well, in that case, Mr. Hambrick, are you ready for this? You get yep. to give out your first Henshin Man Awards. <laughs> <laughs> so these are some fun little awards that we totally didn't steal from Monsters vs. Men, but we totally did. <laughs> for some outstanding aspects of the TV shows or movies that we cover here on the podcast, and they got totally stolen by me even though i made them for power trip so is it really stealing mm. can you steal from oh. yourself no i don't think so well, that's a strange philosophical conversation to have. so anyway first up we have the henshin kick award for the best stunter fight scene jake has the guest i'll let you go first i like the first fight between hongo and hayato where uh-huh. you see hongo without the suit Fighting how to with the suit, ah, and then, and then you get to see some of his acrobatics mm-hmm. jumping over the bike. I thought that was really cool. All right, well, and similar to that, that one was a pretty good one. Oh, actually, no, not similar. I considered one of the other fights between the. No, you're not. You're just talking about Hongo's first fight, not Hongo and Hayato. Yeah, Hongo and Hayato. Oh, so when they were After, fighting, okay. Yes. Okay. I, I considered one of their fights, but I actually went with Double Riders versus Cobra and Snake. I love mm-hmm. the choreography in that because the writers are doing everything they can to pay attention to the other one. And if they get into trouble, they run over there and they help them out really fast and then go yeah. back to fighting the villain that they're fighting. I just think that's really cool. And I wish, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's just really nice to see that the, the fight choreographers are paying attention to that. They're not just making it you know, two, it's basically two small fights. That's supposed to be one fight. No, they're actually interacting and they're paying attention to each other. So if one guy is getting in trouble, the other one will run over there, punch the other villain really fast and then go back to his <laughs> opponent. So I, like I said, it's little things like that in the choreography that make it work. And then you have the ending where they get Ryder kicked off the edge and they have their tragic little scene that I mentioned. Yeah. 
All right, so then we have Talking Toku for the best special effect. What did you have? I got the uh, whenever Hongo does the router kick off the motorcycle. Oh, and kicks Hayato. Oh, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool one. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty cool one. Even if it doesn't quite have the Shin, Go- the, I want to say Shin Godzilla, the Shin Kamen Rider Ano flair to it, mm-hmm. I still, yeah, I like seeing him jump off the bike and do stuff like that. That's something, the kind of stuff they would do in the original show. Yeah. All right. One that I liked because it's, I think it's a great example of practical effects in something that, you know, is distinctly superhero, which is when, and it's a good character moment too, which is when Hongo stops that truck with his bare hand, mm-hmm. to save the little girl. Now, you know, it, there were some things that, you know, they sh- they showed the little girl going to the hospital and, you know, so there was that, but I'm like, what happened to the person in the car behind yeah, the right, truck? Yeah. That person is dead, most likely. Mm-hmm. But we're, are we going to talk about that? We're going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. Did I miss something? Is there nobody in the car? Because I, <laughs> I was thinking that would be like, I saved the little girl, but I accidentally killed somebody else. I'm going to go brood now. And, but we don't get that. So I don't know what was going on there. But it was just really interesting because you can tell it that, that is a physical truck. It wasn't CGI. Mm-hmm. And then through some clever editing, because they do have an actor there. You know, holding up his hand and stopping it, you know, and it's a, and it's a physical truck that we're seeing get damaged and everything, and then the car hitting in the back. None of the, there's is there CGI in this? I don't know if there is any CGI in this. I think this might mm. be all practical. It might be, or at least mostly sure. practical. Yeah, they had to use computers to do some things, obviously. You know, but I don't mm-hmm. think there's really any CGI in this. Yeah, which I appreciate. And then yeah, afterward, you see the big handprint on the front of the truck. Now Mm -hmm. I am wondering how did nobody other than Asuka see this? Where's the truck driver? Why isn't the truck driver being like, dude, how did you stop that? Cause it's not like Hongo was in writer form when he did this. Cause it's showing us that he has civilian powers. Apparently. I don't know. Maybe the, the driver got knocked out and after he noticed, uh, Asuka, he ran away. Yeah. Yeah. Like he hit the steering wheel. Yeah, but wasn't there other people driving on the road at the same time? You would think. Yeah. All right, on to our next door, which is coming at ya. I'm proud of that one. <laughs> For the best line, what did you have? So I got, this is going to be a long one. Oh. Uh, who was the one who gave Hunger the bike? Tachibana. Tachibana, yeah. It's when he was talking to him, he said, You've become a man. I'm not praising you. I mean, you look like a man who lost something, but don't worry about it. You gain something when you lose something. Mm. I really did like that. Mm. Yeah, Tachibana makes up for his lack of quantity in terms of screen time with quality. Because that mm-hmm. that was really good. That was really good. And I wish we had had more with him because I think you're a dad and you have a son. So mm-hmm. boys need to hear stuff like that from older men, especially men who are significant to them. You know, to, yeah. they need to be told you're a man now, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and as you were you know, pointing out, it's like, he knows he's a man, not because of something that he's accomplished. It's, it's like, you lost something that tells me that you've been through hardship. Now you are a man. Yeah. Cause that's how boys become men. It's through hardship. 
You know, that's why mm-hmm. the hero's journey works so well. You've heard me talk about it, you know, in a right. couple of spots. That's why the hero's journey works it's because it's a character who goes through hardship and by going through hardship, they mature. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just the fun, you know, as the audience, not just the fun of seeing them going and slaying the dragon. It's the fact that by slaying the dragon, they learn a valuable lesson that ushers them into, we'll say, adulthood. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, in this in in this case, manhood, you know, because that's mm-hmm. manhood has a lot of initiation attached to it traditionally. So I'm glad you picked that one. That's an excellent choice. And mine was. It was shorter, but it goes off of the theme that we talked a little bit about in this, you know, the power of beauty, because Asuka meets up with Kamen Rider, not knowing it's Hongo, and we get this endearing scene where she is slowly becoming more comfortable holding on to him while they're riding on the bike, and he takes her home, and she asks him, why'd you do it? Why'd you save me? And he says, I just want to protect beauty. And it's not just referring to the fact that she's a pretty woman. It's he wants to protect beautiful things because Shocker, as we talked about, Shocker, the evil organization, wants to destroy beautiful things. They wants to destroy that which is good. So it's a loaded line that you Mm -hmm. you can spend a little bit of time unpacking. It's a great thematic statement, I would say. So I had to go with that one. How could I not? (laughs) Yeah. All right. when I first heard that line, I thought he was trying to tell her who he was without I telling so, her. I think so, actually. Yeah, I think I think so. You know, so it's a great so it's a great character moment as well, mm-hmm. where there you know, there's that tension going on. You know, because she thinks Hongo killed her fiance, and then mm-hmm. that got complicated because apparently he's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> it gets it gets it gets complicated. As time goes on, but that's what happens in superhero stories. That's why we love superhero stories, right? It can take simple mm-hmm. things and make them crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to stuff like this. All right. And then we have my favorite award, WTH. What the headshot for the craziest moment. I'm going to be honest with you. I'll let you go first, but I'll be honest with you. I had a little bit of a hard time with this because it, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I've watched so much insane tokusatsu at this point that I don't get phased by anything. Or if it's just how grounded this is compared to other common writer shows or other tokusatsu. So I struggled a little bit with this, but what did you have? I went with whenever Hongo and Haodo came out of the water with the box. <laughs> we had the same one. <laughs> yes. But if you watch it, they look down the hill and you could see that the water was far away. <laughs> so at the top of the hill, there would be no water splashing off the bikes, but there was. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how the bikes got there. I know. Like, did they dock and then ride it up the hill? Or yeah, did they put the motorcycles on the boat? We didn't see the motorcycles on the boat. Right. And how did they climb the cliff that fast? And were they under the water? I have questions. <laughs> it's a they did it because it looks cool let's be Mm -hmm. honest they did it because it looks cool because seeing both of them pop out of the water with the splash and the slow-mo and they hit the goons with the tires as they go and you know it's a it's a big dang hero moment but i am asking a lot of weird logistical questions at the same time yeah it doesn't destroy the scene by any means no it's awesome it is (laughs) you know it 
So it's crazy, but it's also one of the coolest looking moments in the movie. Mm -hmm. I will yeah. say that. Yeah. But anyway, that takes care of our awards. So now, now, Jake, we only have a minute to hand shit it. So this is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts in one minute or less. Let's see how good you are at this, Jake. Can you can you break <laughs> Travis's crazy records? I'll, I'll definitely try. You'll definitely try. All right. Well, in that case, on your mark, get set, go. So overall, I think this is a solid movie. I think the action scenes are good, and I think the kaijin suits look great. Mm -hmm. But if you have an hour to spend, I would say watching on 1.5 speed. <laughs> Wow, you did that in 16. <laughs> is that what you did? Did you just confess that you watched this on 1.5? Yes, I did because it went a lot faster and you still saw the the subtitles just fine. Wow, you were one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I watched it regular the first time though. Oh, so you watched it twice. Okay, I respect yes. you. I respect you. You watched it twice to prep for a podcast. Good man. <laughs> At least you did your homework. I will never yes. forget. Michael was on the Monsters with Attitude live stream and they were supposed to talk about the show a gamera movies and one of the like five people that was on this stream had the audacity to one show up late and then to say i don't like show a camera movies i never watched them and i didn't watch them for this and they're like what oh my gosh what and you still bothered to show up and you showed up late i was in the chat when that was going on that was it was a youtube live stream and i said kick him off and put me on <laughs> 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 they didn't unfortunately but I still totally would have done it. Alrighty, my turn. On my mark, get set, go. So, yeah, hot take. Mass Rider the first, greater than Shin Kamen Rider. I will debate anybody on it. I know some people love the style of Shin Kamen Rider. They love the Anoisms and all of that. I prefer the stronger narrative that we have here, even if it doesn't have, I mean, it's got style, but it doesn't have the, you know, the Ano style, we'll say, because I think a lot of people latch onto it for that reason. I even think that Shin Kamen Rider is the weakest of the Shin movies. Yes, I just said that. I think Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman are better than, uh, better than Shin Kamen Rider. And if that means I'm going to have to pick some fights in the fandom, I will gladly pick those fights because I'd love to see anybody try to articulate anything other than, well, it looks cool. Did that in just under a minute. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, is anyone surprised that I go a little bit longer? No. no. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, before we start wrapping up, I do want to let everybody know we already hinted at it. Jake, this is your first of two appearances because we're going to do the sequel. Our next episode will be the sequel to this, Common Writer The Next. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know it's not available right now, but it soon will be because, again, we're ahead of the curve. <laughs> yep. So I've not seen that one yet. You've not seen that one yet. So mm -hmm. It's going to be the first time for both of us. I'm going to be curious how that's going to go. For what I understand... The actors for both Hongo and Hayato come back. I don't know if Asuka comes back. I'd be, I would be a little disappointed if she doesn't. I know those two come back. And 
the other the main thing that's exciting about it is Kamen Rider V3 is in it. I've also heard it's not quite as good as the first one. So we'll find out next month yeah. <laughs> for that episode. And then to let everybody know, I posted this on social media, but I'll let everybody know here. Our episode after that, which will be episode 79, oh, excuse me, not 79, 69. No, the next one is 69. This will be episode 70. So make all your terrible jokes right now. <laughs> 69, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it's going to be Ultraman versus Common Rider. Yes, one of, the, I think, the only official crossover that they've ever had. And you know, so we're gonna we're finally gonna tackle that one. We're breaking our rule a little bit. We're bending it for the next episode where we try to limit ourselves to what's legally available in the United States. Yeah, we're bending it with this, but it's gonna get a release eventually, very you know, very soon. This one has never been officially released in the United States. I don't know if you ever could release it officially in the United States. <laughs> because that is a licensing nightmare I don't want to deal with. Like, it didn't get released on Blu-ray in Japan until, like, 10 years ago, and it had been around for 20 at that point. This was made in the early 90s. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how long we talk about it because it's only 12 minutes long. <laughs> and some people don't like to podcast about something longer than the thing itself. I'm like, I don't know. 12 minutes seems kind of short, going to be yeah. honest. Gonna be honest. And then after that, I will be doing an episode to get people hyped about the sequel. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, Jake, but I'm planning on doing a quote unquote sequel to both this and the power trip. And it'll be called Henshin Men V3. Mm -hmm. So I will be doing a little episode about that to tell everybody what that's gonna be like. You might get to hear my co-host for that one. I've been, you know, going through several different candidates trying to decide who I want on for that. So, get ready for some V3 hype in episode 71. See what I did there? 71? Huh? 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 Common Rider 71? Huh? 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 I can't take credit for that. <laughs> that was Elijah Thomas who suggested that to me. <laughs> get this one all the way to episode 71 for Common Rider 71. But regardless, Thank you for listening to Henshin Man, a Tokusatsu Appreciation Podcast. You can find links to all our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of Travis on the Kaiju Weekly Podcast and listen to more of me on the Monster Island Film Vault and our sister podcast in the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network, The Power Trap, A Journey Through the Power Rangers Franchise. And Jake, where can people find you? You can find me in the Markalot Lounge and the Power Rangers Legacy Facebook group. <laughs> and you have some social media like Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you want people to bother you there. <laughs> no, I don't post much on there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And the Markalite Lounge, which is the official Facebook group for listeners of the Film Vault and Henshin Men. So please join mm -hmm. us. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, what are we going to say, Jake? If you're ever in New York and you find yourself a Krabby Cabby, don't get in. <laughs> I like it.
you know, I'm going to do a quick little post credit for us. I'm glad you brought up the Krabby Cabby because we had a Krabby Cabby in this movie who, of course, was working for Shocker because yes. he was a jerk and was a neat freak who apparently you know, would have loved to have seen that guy during COVID. He would have lost his mind during COVID. <laughs> oh, I know that. Although he probably would have been demoted to an Uber driver. Just saying. <laughs> And Krabby Cabby was in Mighty Morphin season three. Mm-hmm. 